This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. This segment is brought to you by the Zuckerberg Institute. This is Randy Zuckerberg Means Business on Business Radio. Many of us are in a period of extreme disruption right now. Speaking of that, I want to talk a little bit about managing our mental health. My next guest, Dr. Joshua Gordon, is the director of the National Institute of Mental Health, the lead federal agency for research on mental disorders. Dr. Gordon, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I uh, Maybe you can give us a, a little bit of the lay of land of what, what your work from home situation looks like so we can get a, a good mental picture. Sure. Well, right now I'm sitting on my couch next to my sleeping dog. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I tend to vary where I work throughout the house, and it's easy for me to take a phone call from the couch. Um, I've got uh, some family members here with me, as well as a, a son who's uh, away at college, and uh, we stay in communication by Zoom all the time. And I'm Zooming with my uh, colleagues from work uh, and doing a lot of writing and reading. Hmm. Well, thank you for that. And uh, it's it's definitely an, an interesting time. And But the one thing I will say is that I actually enjoy getting a glimpse into people's personal lives a bit more than you usually do, seeing kind of the inside of people's homes or their kids or their dogs popping onto the screen. You really, I feel like I, I'm getting to know some people really for the first time, even if I've worked with them for years. Absolutely. We have uh, in my section of the Institute, uh, my direct uh uh, office. Each member of the office sends us a picture each day of their uh, work situation, often with a child or a dog in the background. It's 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 quite comforting to be able to connect with our coworkers in this way. Absolutely. Now, you know, we're of course we're in in such a trying time right now. As uh, you know, we're reading the news. It causes anxiety and feelings of overwhelming for so many of us. Our income, our lives have been completely disrupted. Um, Dr. Gordon, what are some things people can do right now to be protecting their overall mental health and well-being? Uh, there are a lot of things we can all be doing. First and foremost, in order to take care of one's mental health, it's important to take care of one's body. That means uh, eating right, getting enough sleep, trying to stick to routines that help you stay healthy, including physical activity. If you can't get ex- out, outside, exercise in the home. Um, that's, that's first and foremost. Next, it's important to pursue practices that make you feel healthy mentally. For some, that means paying attention to the facts of the situation to help them gain a sense of understanding and control over what things they can control. But even for those of us who uh, are helped by learning the fact it's important to break away from the news, to take breaks from that news and do something that's fun or relaxing, and, uh, especially if, uh, if you're you know, working really hard, but even, even if you're um, taking care of your family and, uh, or you're not working, it's important to take breaks from the, the onslaught of news to, to give yourself time to unwind really, really important in these days of physical distancing from the people that we care about is to make extra efforts to connect with others. Social contact is really important for our mental health. And it's important to remember that social 
distancing does not have to mean social isolation. So reach out to people on the phone, through teleconferencing, through FaceTime, text, whatever you can do to feel connected. And then finally, we all want to contribute to the battle against this epidemic. It's important to feel that we have our role to play, even if that role is simply staying at home and and keeping yourself safe and stopping the spread of the virus, that's important. But the other way we can feel good is by reaching out and helping others, whether that means calling a friend who is elderly and living alone and and entertaining them in that way, or helping a neighbor out when you get a a grocery delivery and leaving a, a bag of items that they might need, or donating to the right causes or volunteering from your home. There's lots of things one can do to help feel like one has a role in this, and that can be really helpful as well. I I love all those tips. So many of them are just really resonating personally with me and I think with all of our listeners right now. One of the things I've been thinking about a lot is the fact that, you know, I mean, I... I lived in New York during 9-11 and things, and, and you got this real sense of people came together to support one another. But in this current situation, we're, we're now seen as risks to each other. We, we've also, we, we kind of went from coming together to seeing other human beings as dangerous to us. And uh, I think a lot about the long-term effect that this might have on us. I mean, I watched my own parents give my son a hug through a glass door the other day. And it was both, you know, kind of beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time that, you know, potentially these two people who love each other so much could be dangerous to each other. And so how, how do we come off of that at the end of this? Well, it can be a challenge, and I agree with you. It is heartbreaking to see those scenes, but it's also heartwarming. A friend of mine visited her uh, father and mother who were in a nursing home through the window of their room, and it was fortunate she was able to do that, but it's also heartbreaking that she's not able to visit with them personally. One thing that I try to do is remember that even though other people pose uh, you know, a sort of danger to us, they are not the danger the virus is. So when I'm walking down the street and I walk uh, off the sidewalk into the street to avoid someone coming into contact with someone closer than six feet, I always say hi or good afternoon or good morning. Mm. Again, that social distancing doesn't have to mean social isolation. We can remember that we are all in this together, even as we are taking precautions to ensure that we don't infect others and that they don't infect us. I think it's also important to recognize, just like, you know, your son did with that hug through the glass, that the networks that we have, the support networks, they are there. We still have our neighbors. We still have our friends. We still have our loved ones. And connecting with them, as I mentioned before, can help ensure we feel that and maintain that sense of community cohesion, that sense of belonging to each other and working with each other. And that can be very helpful. Mm, for sure. Thank you. And and thank you for, for letting me use this as like a personal therapy session. <laughs> also, for, for anyone who's just joining us right now, you're listening to Randy Zuckerberg Means Business here on Sirius XM Business Radio. We're speaking with Dr. Joshua Gordon, director of the National Institute of Mental Health, and uh, speaking about how to manage our, our mental health during this time. Dr. Gordon, one thing that you said in the beginning of the interview that I wanted to come back to is about kind of uh, 
limiting or putting some boundaries on news consumption. Um, there's so much disturbing and stressful information coming in. Of course, we all want to stay informed. Um, but how do you put some boundaries on your consumption of the news to maintain your mental health? Well, different things will work for different people. But one thing that most people find helpful is to define periods of time where they are going to consume the news, where they're going to be watching a, 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 a news program that they enjoy and they find informative or reading the, the newspaper or, or visiting the websites. Uh, and, and, but give yourself time to do that and then give yourself time that you're going to take a break. We, many of us have these Fitbits and things that remind us it's time to get up and walk around. And by the way, that's a really good idea to maintain even if you're inside your home. But one can also use reminders to say, okay, I've been looking at the news for a half hour. You know, I'm going to set an alarm for 15 more minutes, and then I'm going to take a 15-minute break. So giving yourself some structure to ensure that you're not, um, that you're not obsessing about the news. The second piece to this is that especially many of us, either whether working for home or whether we're not working right now, we often lose that sense of structure that the workday gives us. And so it's important for, uh, for us to set goals for ourselves for the day of things that we want to accomplish, whether it is something related to work or something related to our personal life. And, uh, and that way, that you, you have a goal, you uh, set aside time to achieve that goal, and then at the end of the day, you can also say, oh, I, I did this today. It helps us feel a great sense of accomplishment. It helps uh, distract us from, um, you know, obsessing too much about the news, and it also helps maintain a sense of order and structure in our lives, which can be very reassuring. I, you know, I really appreciate that because I was just saying the other day how I felt like sometimes, you know, a whole week will go by and I feel like I woke up in the morning, I survived, and then it was the evening and I, I go to bed. I'm like, what happened to the day? I didn't accomplish anything. And I think, you know, the days that I have set little goals are, are definitely days that you go to bed much, much happier and much less stressed. I am. Um, one thing I'm curious about, Dr. Gordon, is how to talk to our children about this. Um, many of our listeners, myself included, have young children. Do you shield them from it? Do you tell them kind of the, the brutal truth? Is it somewhere in between? What are your thoughts? Well, the children know something's going on, right? They're not in school. They're not in daycare. They're not able to visit with their friends. So, of course, we can't shield them from the reality of what's happening but I think it's also important to remember that children approach these issues like any other from their own perspective. One of the best things you can do is talk to your children about what they're feeling, about the questions that they have, and make sure you're answering those questions and you're addressing their feelings. A lot of us adults, we're worried about catching the virus, we're worried about the economy, we're worried about our jobs, we're worried about paying the rent. Children may be worried about those things, but it's also quite possible that they're not particularly scared of the virus. They're just afraid that they're not going to be able to celebrate their best friend's birthday with them next week. So if you talk to them, if you listen to what is going on with them in their emotional lives, you can respond in a way that's helpful. Oh, we'll make sure to zoom in on a birthday. Why don't we bake a cupcake and we'll blow out the candles for your best friend over Zoom, and, and you can celebrate together that way. So 
talk to your kids about what's going on and, and, and try to listen to their perspectives so that you can address what they're feeling and what they're thinking about. Mm, I, I love that. And we actually participated in a, a drive-by birthday party last <laughs> week for my nephew, where it was like a, a whole kind of row of cars. We all all uh, gathered at like 4 p.m. and uh, and all drove by with signs in the windows that said happy birthday. So I, I think one thing that is, has been a positive for me is to see kind of the level of human creativity and resilience that has come out of this. It is remarkable. Um, we had our own birthday celebration yesterday at the NIH. We're meeting twice a week, all the directors of the institutes. There's uh, 27 institutes and centers that make up the National Institutes of Health. And we gather twice a week on, the, on a, a conference call. And it was Francis Collins' birthday. He's the director of the National Institutes of Health. And we all serenaded him over Zoom, and it was quite the cacophony, as you can imagine, of voices. But, uh, you know, finding creative ways to connect with each other, be it children or adults, can really bring out the best in people. Mm, for sure. It's a, uh, it's really wonderful. I actually heard, um, that something launched, there's a farm that in order to raise money, they're saying that you could have a goat or a llama join your zoom call with your <laughs> colleagues. So if you need just like a moment of joy in your life and they're calling it goat to meeting. And so it's uh you can actually like hire a, a goat to join your zoom meeting for, for a minute or two. <laughs> Excellent. That's great. <laughs> um, switching gears for just a moment again for anyone just joining us Dr. Joshua Gordon is the director of the National Institute of Mental Health the lead federal agency for research on, on mental health and disorders um, Dr. Gordon what if people are experiencing panic attacks for the first time or they're starting to you know have, have kind of mental health symptoms that are giving them extra anxiety how can you manage that? Well, first and foremost, most again, recognize what's going on. It's quite natural to feel fear and worry about the situation, about the virus, about the economics, about uh, about your family, etc. But if it becomes overwhelming in any number of different ways, it's important to recognize that. So changes in your sleep or your eating patterns, difficulty sleeping or concentrating, uh, moments of extreme panic where you can't focus and you can't accomplish the task at hand, those are all concerning signs. In the moment, if you're actually having a panic attack, the best thing to do is to slowly extricate yourself from that situation and take a seat and try to regulate your breathing and just recognize that this feeling of danger that you're feeling is perhaps out of proportion to what's going on. Mm -hmm. So that's that's uh, the, immediate, uh, the immediate thing is to try to uh, take a moment uh, do some deep breathing and uh, and and relaxation um, to to calm yourself down. But if this is happening a lot, or if you're experiencing those uh, you know symptoms about changes in sleep or appetite, etc., it is, probably is important for you to reach out. You can reach out to friends or loved ones, but you may also need to reach out to a medical professional. And many primary care doctors, many mental health professionals are doing telemedicine and reaching out to your doctor and asking for, for help can be, uh, can be very valuable. 
There is a hotline for those who don't know where to turn that the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, which is a federal agency responsible for funding mental health care throughout the United States. Uh, SAMHSA has a disaster distress helpline that you can call and they can help you find the help you need. That number, if you like, is 1-800-985-5990. And they also have a text line. Talk with us. Uh, you text talk with us to 66746. Then in many local jurisdictions also have crisis lines that you can uh, you can contact to try to get some help if you don't know where to turn. Mm, thank you so much for those valuable resources. I think so many people um, feel, you know, like that's this should be their lowest priority is taking care of their mental health during a time like this. But it, it's just it's so important to do. One thing that I, I've been talking a lot about in kind of some friend circles and circles of entrepreneurs is um, the worry that even when this all ends and kind of we flick the switch and we say, okay, life can go back to normal. um, Do you think there will be some residual trauma and confusion and anger um, once, once this all starts to calm down? What we've learned from other natural disasters in the past different scale, different intensity, and obviously different breadth of effect. But what we've learned from that is that there is a rise in mental illness following those kinds of events, whether it be hurricanes or other infections or uh, earthquakes, etc., or for that matter, the 9-11 attacks. So we know there will be an increase in uh, mental illness, there will be an increase in demand for mental health services. And we're doing our best to, to prepare for that and to, uh, from a research perspective, to understand the mental health impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic and the mitigation response to it. But uh, I think we can anticipate that. And I think it's important that people realize that even when the uh, threat of the virus is reduced or over that we're going to have to watch out for each other as we maneuver through the recovery and make sure that we continue to take care of each other. Mm, I love it. Thank you so much. Final words of advice, Dr. Gordon, on, on how to avoid burnout and take care of one another. Mm, well, I would add to what I've said before by by just saying that you know, if we think about the things we've been through in the past, they tend to make us stronger. And I think that will be the case for this pandemic as well. As many people have said, all of us will be affected by the pandemic. And of course, we will grieve for the losses that we have experienced. But uh, resiliency is not something we're born with. It's something we learn. And we will learn resilience by uh, living through this pandemic and uh, and so I think that's something to, to think about as, as, yes, it's a very difficult challenge, and yes, we are going to lose loved ones and, uh, and face hardships, but uh, we will grow as a result of it. I love that. Thank you so much. Dr. Gordon, where can our listeners go to keep up with you and all of the incredible work you're doing? Well, um, I have a Twitter uh, account. It's at NIMH Director, at NIMH Director, one word. And um, we have a website at nimh.gov, 
which is um, uh, has lots of information on mental health in general, but of course on uh, coping with the COVID uh, pandemic. So I encourage people to visit that site as well. Perfect. And and just for you know my my mental picture, what kind of a dog do you have? And and give me give me like some cuteness to carry through my day. <laughs> she is a. Uh, a beagle mutt. She's about 25 pounds. She has uh, patches of light brown and white, and she is totally relaxed right now, sleeping on a couch cushion. Ah, how lovely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Joshua Gordon, director of the National Institute of Mental Health for joining us today to talk about this important topic. And uh, I know you're very busy right now. So thank you for taking the time to call into the show been my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 